Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Sarah Silverman on stand-up comedy, her new film, Battle of the Sexes, and a brand new TV show, I Love You, America. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. I, I Love You, America, just for context, is the name of the show. I mean, I do love you, America, but that's the name of the Hulu show. It can get confusing. Anyway, uh, hi guys, my name is Josh Horowitz. Uh, Sammy is not with us this week. She is on assignment. Uh, that doesn't really mean anything. I'm just saying it because it sounds cool. Uh, don't worry, she'll be back uh, soon enough. Um, but uh, I'm taping the intro solo this week just to give you a little context. This is with one of my favorite funny people on the planet, Sarah Silverman. This is a chat that runs the gamut. We talk stand-up, we talk acting, we talk politics. Uh, because Sarah, you know, her life and career have run the gamut. She's kind of... Um, I wouldn't say dipped her toe in many things because it's more than that. Uh, her acting career alone is is very impressive, and Battle of the Sexes is her newest film. She is a, a key supporting player alongside Emma Stone and Steve Carell in that uh, wonderful retelling of the um, Billie Jean King-Bobby Riggs match. Make sure to check that out. She is, of course, one of the best stand-ups out there, and her new special is on Netflix. It is called A Speck of Dust. A Speck of Dust, rather. Check that out. And last but certainly not least uh, is a new show for Hulu. I confess I have not seen the show yet because as I tape this in advance, yes, I'm on vacation, guys, um, uh, the show has not debuted yet. So you might have seen the show already. So if you haven't seen the show, check it out. Um, it's called I Love You, America. It is on Hulu. It is a weekly series, 10 episodes, uh, a mixture of kind of field pieces and in-studio comedy. Uh, and to hear Sarah uh, tell it, um, this is going to reflect very much um, her herself, which is that unique blend of smart, sincere, and silly that I love. Um, and uh, 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 sounds like a, a very much a passion project for Sarah. So I myself am curious about that, and if you're a fan of hers, you should definitely check it out. Uh, this conversation, we touched on a great many things, whether it's uh, you know the health scare that Sarah experienced last year, in which um, she, you know, it was one of these random things. She went into the hospital, um, not even went to the hospital, saw a doctor for like a random you know thing in her throat, and it turned into like going into the ER and being put into like a like a kind of a semi coma. It was a pretty serious thing, and she's very candid about that, as well as um, the loss of uh, her mom and, and Gary Shandling and Harris Whittles, three people that were very uh, important to her in the last couple of years. So you know this is this is a, can be a heavy talk, but a fun talk. She's always somebody that can kind of um, go back and forth between those two, um, you know. Extremes, and uh, I, I really enjoyed catching up with her. She's somebody that I've I've known a great many years, and uh, to talk to her about the the many varied experiences of her career was uh, was really a lot of fun. So, uh, without any further ado, I'm going to keep it brief since Sammy's not here to entertain you all, and just dive right into this conversation with uh, one of my favorites, Sarah Silverman. Are you in the middle right now of like uh, production on the show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? Okay. So give me a sense. Um, I'm very curious about this. Is going to be a Hulu show. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is "I Love You, America" is the title. Yeah. I don't know much more about it than that. And nobody does. And it's so funny because every time I see a write up about it, I'm like, wrong. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I also don't know how to explain. I don't know how people are going to infer it. Right. But I can tell you what it is to me. That's a starting point. Let's go there. It's a it's a half hour. Okay. I guess late night show, but you can watch it anytime you want. Right. Um, I do a monologue. It's not like three jokes. It's like I just write a, it's a kind of a long, uh, almost stream of consciousness 
but um, but specific. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for it. And then uh, that usually goes into something ridiculous. And there's there'll be a field piece, uh, either by me or by like Tig Notaro does one, mm -hmm. Aparna Nancherla does one, like a lot of cool people. And uh, it's, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's political. I think it's like social politics. It's about like the division of this country. And it's not about like what happened today right. at all. It's not totally evergreen, but it's of this moment in time for sure. Did, so I'm curious about like, the development of a show like this. Like, Were you looking to develop a show and then this, this come in the wake of, of 2016 and all the, the, the fun election stuff? Or were you already kind of hard at work on this idea? I wanted to do this. Like the last acty, acting pilot I did, I was like, oh man, this isn't what I want to do. Like I do love acting, but yeah. I don't want to be on a show that just is goes on indefinitely and uh, takes up all my time. I like, want to do other things. Yeah. I like, I want to dip my toe into the acting. Right. I like doing that. But I, oh, hey, thanks. But I really want to just do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And. And this lets you scratch oh my God, a few they different bitches. This is. Yeah. He, they, they've given me. Only very thoughtful, helpful notes, but this nothing. Who, who like, it's been, crazy. Yeah. It's rated R. Mm -hmm. It's anything I want. Definitely am seeing, like, feeling my boundaries and, you know, is that make for better comedy? Not necessarily, but it's, I'm into it, you know? It's everything I want it to be, but I, I don't know how to explain it other than maybe you could say it's a social politics served in a big bready sandwich of aggressively stupid right which that, is my favorite yes because you, you've always had a, a, a and I and I and I love this about you a true unabashed love of, of poop humor and and really just silly stupid stuff yes I love like just aggressively you, dumb yeah so is that is that unique in your family or is that a Silverman family trait do the others look down upon you for your embracing no. of poop and? No, not at all. No, we're the Silverman clan is pretty uh, on the same page com comedically. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> and, and does this one? I mean, did you ever have interest or or aspiration of like to think like the more traditional late night? hosting no. kind of thing that that was never something that like you wanted I've to... been asked about it before but um I've I've seen the I know the inner workings of a late night talk show and it's it's magical I'm in awe of it yeah but it's just not the lifestyle for me I mean this has been this show's been all encompassing and we're doing 10 of them you know like right. it's just like <laughs> Every waking hour of my day is working on it, but I love it. Yeah. But like with the talk show, you're working all night, all day. You finally shoot the show. You get that feeling of like completion for about eight seconds, and then the stress of the next show totally. kicks in. And that's just not really the my optimum happiness. Mm-hmm. 
Wait, are you working with with Gavin Purcell? Yeah, there? I know Gavin because Gavin. We we tried to lure Gavin when we were developing. I was developing a show, like a movie talk show, and he was very <gasps> nice. He's always been very nice about my work as well. So I know Aww. he's he's giving my best. Would you he's see so him? He's so positive. He is. Yeah, which probably fits in well with you. You're a po- I consider you a positive person. I'm yes, I am. Yeah, I mean, I have my moments, <laughs> but I am able to keep myself in check. Yeah. Fairly well. So, and this was a good option. In the field pieces, you got to travel, I would think, a lot throughout the country. Yeah, I went to Chalmette, Louisiana, and Mineola, Texas. A lot of, like, Trump Trump country Mm -hmm. um, places just to be a, you know, connect on a human level. And, uh, like, I had family dinner in Chalmette and with a family that all voted for Trump and had never met a Jew. (laughs) And it was great. It was really fun. Now, it, do, do you do you find that like your your comedy kind of transcends the state? Like, can you can you play any state and find a welcome audience, or do you feel oh here comes the mail? There's mail outside. Should we open my mail? No, let's not. Do you want to get your mail? No, I don't want my mail. It's probably it's crappy swag. You see next to you, this is all the crappy uh, the, swag. Yeah, 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 we don't want that. It does kind of become a burden. Except for the slinky. The slinky, I consider that's like great swag. It's fun for a girl or a boy. I like slinkies as an adult male. Um, sorry. So, um, I, no, I, I guess just like playing anywhere throughout the States. Is that something enjoyable? Well, yeah, or do I mean, you know where your kind of like bread and butter is? And where I guess like I'm is? at a point where when I have a show in some town, people who are interested in seeing me It's come. self-selective. They know. You yeah. know, but I do. I mean, that is something about, you know, when politicians use that Hollywood elite, you know, Marker, it's first of all, I feel it's just a, a, a sneaky uh, a code word for something else for Jews, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, but there is where there is like liberal bubbleness, mm. I do believe, and I've been a part of that, and I, I can be a part of that. I did want to get out of that, but also as a comedian, you get this kind of other life where. You're traveling the country, and your job is to make pe- entertain people. Sure. And there are all sorts of different people all over the country. So in that way, I think we're kind of good people to be the connective tissue in such a divided country. Yeah. So give me a sense. Um, well, first, before even the election, I was curious. Have you made that, that, that great speech at the Democratic Convention, um, which had to be a moment for you. And like it was a big moment um, uh, in terms of appealing to the Bernie crowd, which some were, you know, not ready to kind of make the switch. And it was it's just, I, I don't under, I, it, it was, it, it's so uh, odd to me. I still ever once I'll get people angry. You're ridiculous, Sarah. You're being ridiculous, you know, whatever. I'm like, all right. Um, you know, I mean, if you love Bernie so much, then you would vote for Hillary. That's what he's asking you to do. He wants a an ally in office, you know? Mm. I mean, I spoke at that DNC because he asked me to, you know? I I love Bernie, you know? I did it for him, and I, you know, and obviously I voted for Hillary, but it was, you know, you you don't see what I'm seeing standing there. It's just an ocean of mostly bananas people that go to, you know, with their styrofoam hats and a thousand pins on them and... And they were the Bernie or bust people, which are just 
it's weird. If you love Bernie, then why don't you want to help him? It's so odd. It's like a very weird kind of misplaced passion and anger. But they were just in the Hillary people's faces screaming. And it was just, you couldn't even hear yourself talk. I know I was at home. You could hear me. Yeah. Um, were you surprised that that, that level of... I mean, you, you. Well, that's first of all, we had set our parts, and then we were supposed to um, introduce Paul Simon, and then the stage manager was like, "Stretch, we're on live TV." I, you know, I had so much I wanted to say that I had to cut out of my speech for time, and then, of course, none of it was like available in my brain. And then after a while, I told Al, I was like, I just literally in my mind just posed for still pictures. Like I just looked as pretty as I could for a few beats. And then it was just so insane in front of me that I was like, look, you guys are being ridiculous. I mean, I just, I meant it the way, you know, and and so many Hillary people were like, that was amazing. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not a Hillary person. My whole family is only my mom and I were Bernie people, but Mm. obviously I wanted her to win and I voted for her, but it was just like, I didn't do it I did it because these people in front of my face were being ridiculous. Right. That wasn't on the agenda. It was a reaction more than an actual. Yeah. 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 So what was your, you know, we've had months in, uh, of analysis now post-election on like what it all means. And we're, I think we feel like we're going to still be like talking about this for decades to come of like what the uh, election of Trump meant in terms of was it um, well, a, I think a thousand it, things. What do you, I mean, what's your take on it? And I what have your, a, yeah. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Aw, that was rude, Sarah. Let someone finish a sentence. I had nothing. It's okay. I have a couple takes on it. One, I think as Democrats, we need to look inward. You can't expect change to happen without you looking inside yourself on a micro and macro level. I mean, look at the weeks leading up to the election. We were all like, well, the Republican Party is going to have to really figure out who they are. They're having such an identity crisis. (laughs) And then the election happened and we realized we were looking in the mirror. You know, we got our, our smug smiles wiped right off our faces. And if we don't use that as a learning moment, (laughs) you know, then we're, 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 we're being silly, you know? And, um, and in terms of Trump's, popularity or him getting elected however legal or illegal that was he he um he really is just the the whitehead that has accrued over you know decades of the right um behaving in a very short term Mm -hmm. um band-aids on things making the rich richer uh, wealth addiction. I mean, it's spread all over the country where people are raised, children are raised to respect rich people at any cost, no matter how they got their money. Right. I wasn't raised that way, and I, I don't think that that's healthy, you know, and I think it's created a country and a, a mentality of um, of respecting rich people because they're rich. And then there are rich people, billionaires, there are great ones. Look, everyone likes money. That's fine. It's about addiction, in my view. Like it, it's, there are rich people like Bill Gates or whatever who want to make the world a better place. They still enjoy their wealth, but right. what I, they, but then there are wealth addicts, 
And I think Trump and the people he surrounds himself with are codependent wealth addicts, no different than crack cocaine. They are so addicted to, to wealth, to greed, to, to money, more. And that can blot out reason. And well, like... what do crackheads do when they're addicted to crack? They, they sell their, they'd sell their grandmother for more crack. That's what they're doing. They're, they're selling the, the health and well-being of American citizens in pursuit of what? Something that is just an unfillable hole yeah. of wealth, of money. So, yeah, I, I, what I mean by addict is they lose sight of any morality in, in, in pursuit of more money that will do nothing for them and, it, and hurt the people, their constituents. And then the people who voted for him, he lied to. And they wanted change, and they weren't being paid attention to by the Democrats. The Democrats are supposed to be the party of the people, the party of the working class, and they haven't been for a long time. And that's something that has to change when the pendulum swings the other way. It's happening in the UK, too, with the Labour Party. Mm. They are not representing the working class. They do all this globalization without the... Knowing they know what's going to happen, people are going to lose their steelworks jobs, their you know their mining jobs, that all these jobs that are American factory jobs, with no backup plan on how to subsidize them. So there's so much to be like. My show isn't about this. Though. No, I, I if know. it is, it's just a little taste served with a big sugary. <laughs> Well, I mean, is the show in some ways for you personally kind of a, a antidote to kind of like um, the negativity and the, the way we can, I mean, I find myself wallowing in a lot of this stuff day yeah. to day. And you're trying to find on a human level, on a personal connection level, um, maybe not a silver lining, but ways to kind of yeah. like talk about this stuff in, in maybe not like a granular level, but more of a, um, I don't even know, sociological level. Yes, yeah, and I do hope to connect with people that are not just preaching to the choir. You know, there are so many shows, and there's shows that I mm-hmm. am huge fans of that are brilliant, but they're not changing minds. Now, I'm not saying my show's going to change minds, but what I have learned doing this is facts don't change people's minds. P- facts, polls, this, that. It's never going to change someone's mind. Arguing, making point after point. That doesn't change people's minds. It just gets their porcupine needles up. Yeah. And then they're paralyzed and they're not open to change at all. They double down on this house of cards of, of their beliefs. And we all do that, right? So the only thing that makes people change is um, feelings. As corny as that sounds, you know what I mean? And I always say the same thing to the writers in the writer's room, even with the mo- talking about the most ridiculous, silly things, that if it's mentionable, it's manageable. That's what Mr. Rogers says. And it is really true. And so I love saying anything I want, words, nudity, all the stuff on the show, and just exploring what it does to us emotionally. Right. Um I want to talk about also, I just watched the stand-up special. I was a little late to the game, but it's a, it's a great one. A Speck oh. of Dust on Netflix. Um, and you, you dedicated it to, to three people you've lost in the last few years. Which, so it's been, it's been a couple... It's been three a, people in two years and almost myself. I was going to say, it's been, it's been a, a lot's happened. Um, and probably the last time I, I spoke to you was like for uh, I Smile Back, um, which was 
in the midst of like losing your mom, as I recall, yeah. timeline was right. So that had that to be. That was just Harris and my mom, pre Gary. Yeah. Crazy. So, um, and then yeah, you went through this crazy random health crisis last year. Um, you have to come out of all of that. Each of those things is a traumatic event. Yeah. Yet, uh, let alone four of these traumatic events, if you include your your own health issues, um, with some differing views on mortality, I don't know, your place in the universe, just like priorities. Do you feel like you, you've kind of shifted? I've been, yeah, I'm changed. I get not easily changed, but I like to let myself be changed. This really took the steering wheel and changed me in lots of ways. It's funny because when my mom died, Gary told me this Buddhist quote, you know, grief, teach me what I have to learn, you mm. know, and... And also, another fun fact thing that I think people can hear and go, whoa, is like my sister, Susie, my oldest sister, the rabbi, after my mom died, she didn't cry for like two weeks and she just didn't know what was wrong with her that she didn't cry. Mm. She was so ready to and we all were. And, and then she got an email from a friend of hers that said, you don't think you're grieving, but you are. And like that made her burst into tears. Not that that was the antidote to that, but just you—you you cannot control what form grief takes in your body. And you know, I started to learn. Like, listen, I'm just gonna live my life. I'll still, you know, maybe laugh in a few minutes. I might, you know, forget for a moment. I might all these things. But you know, yeah, you're gonna be like uh, in line at Vons when it hits you, and there's nothing you can do about it. So in the was it a quick recovery after it was like an abscess I guess oh, for, for me for you yeah in terms of that and like where did you put your priorities your like life in the weeks after that kind of hit Well first of all I went back to work way too soon I did an episode of crashing 3 weeks out of the ICU but you know what if you're going to go to work way too soon do it with like your Pete favorite Davidson, people yeah. and your <laughs> and your uh, um you know I was like Behind the scenes and in front of the camera, all my, some of my closest friends. Sure. And they were literally, I mean, one of the producers, Dave Rath, who I've known forever, was like, because they say, like, um, hold someone's hand, grab someone's arm when you walk, because you're not better, <laughs> you know? Like, right. And um, I'm so healthy right now, but it, yeah, it takes a, it took a, you know, I mean, then like, Five weeks after out of the ICU, I was, I died in pregnancy, uh, <laughs> during pregnancy on a TV show and just lying there and having like the hospital noises was just, it's very haunting, but, um, yeah, it takes a while. They had to, they put so much opioids in my body cause I couldn't be put to sleep. So they had to just medicate me into a semi coma and tie right. my hands down and um, so every, I looked, you know, they say every hour you're on opiates, opioids? I think the, I think the latter. Heroin, I'm not gonna basically. Use it's heroin. <laughs> um, for every hour you're on it, it's a week before it can get out of your system. So oh. I've got another like year and a half before that, you know, seven days of being on so much heroin that I didn't feel them cutting my throat open. <laughs> I mean, that stuff is obviously necessary to what you needed. Like, what was your attitude about kind of like, were you was sketched out by the fact that they had to like load you up on that, those kind of I had drugs? no, um, 
choice. It all happened so fast. Right. I went to my doctor for a sore throat, and the next thing I knew, I was in the emergency room, and they were prepping for surgery and drugging me just for that part. So it, it poor my my on-again, off-again lover, Michael Sheehan, and my manager, Amy's V, they were the ones who were told, you know, she has a 50-50 chance of making the, it out of this surgery alive. I was fine. I had no idea. <laughs> Um, can we talk about Gary for, Gary for a little bit? Yeah, please. Um, I, I just, I just actually got talk to... about money addicts. He's the, he's the one who turned me on to that. He's the one who said that it was like, not for himself, but stuff that he saw no, around him. He was talking about the government. This is like a year before the bank crisis. And he said, our, our government's being run by, by money addicts, by addicts, you mm. know? And he said, um, and, and so we can't be surprised you know, it's as if we're giving a bunch of cocaine addicts a mountain of cocaine and saying, distribute this evenly among your people. Yeah. And I always remember, I always remembered that. And I, it just, every day I think about it more and more, just how right on he was. So it's fair to say his influence was beyond just comedy for you. Yeah. I mean, was, was the first interaction, was that for, on Larry Sanders or had you no. known him even prior to that? I met him, uh, my friend Dave Rath, who I, whose arm I held right. when I did Crashing. Um, he's an old friend for forever. And uh, he was playing basketball at Gary's. This was, I was 24. And he took me there. I play basketball and I had played with Rath, so he took me. And Gary right away was so nice. And for the next... 21 years I played basketball at Gary's every Sunday. It's funny, he was, he's 21 years older than me, so it was from the day I met him to the day he died, I went from, he was 45 when I met him and I was 45 when he died. Oh, wow. Are you part of, I was just talking, I just saw Judd Apatow recently. Yes. He's working on this like insane documentary. I assume you're part of that. I way. am, and yeah. it's, it's funny. I mean, it doesn't matter. The documentary's going to be amazing, but it, the day I went in, I still was so not in touch with my grief. I, I didn't want to go back and look at emails between us. I didn't want to. I mean, it's really hard because Gary is so supportive. You know, I know that Judd told me Sasha Baron Cohen said the same thing where Sa- uh, Judd said, will you share emails he's written? And I thought about it. And, you know, I normally would, but they're all so complimentary and praising and you know like because that's who he was that's what that's what he did for so many people he gave us all confidence until we were actually able to do the things he believed in us that we could do you know so it's just I I was embarrassed you know it's just it's it looks obnoxious and Judd said that's funny that's exactly what Sasha said you know because he was so giving emotionally you know he was so supportive and Watched everything I did, you know, more than like my family. I mean, just watched. It just. I remember Sasha. We were at a party not long ago, and Sasha said, "Who's gonna be our Gary?" And I said, um, "No, we have to be other people's Gary." You're now. the cheerleaders now. You're yeah. the coaches. <laughs> Is there? A, do you have a sense of that? I mean, having now, uh, you know, I, I was looking, and I think it's been 20 years. This past July was your late night comedy debut on Letterman. I think, according to 
scattered records. July 97, does that sound right? Uh, on Letterman, probably, but I had done Conan. Had you? That was your first of the... Yeah, Conan was like, the first time I got recognized was like, because I was doing Conan a lot. Nice. He just had me on. He never made me do stand-up on the show. I always just did, did my stand-up or... from the panel. Yeah. And he had me on so many times. And so it was like, were you on Conan? And I was like, it was the first time I was recognized. It was always from, yeah, from Conan. So he, I mean, he, he's more of a, a contemporary, like age-wise. He's a little older, but like he's... Conan, yeah. yeah. So was it, is it a different deal when you do someone like a, like a Letterman back yeah. then? Yeah, terror. I would think. Total terror, because <laughs> I, I worship him so much. And just, he gave, he added so much to my life and my interest and I mean watch staying up to watch Letterman every night was like my reason for living that sounds you know trite but truly like could not wait till 1230 yeah and I, and I feel like a lot of people have felt this like much like Jon Stewart missing in the last year mm. I feel like we all missed the kind of Dave in terms of just beyond the comedy he was just he became this elder statesman that kind of like was yeah. just speaking truth to power in a, like a really profound I way. Love, yeah. And I love that. That's when he's at his best. Yeah. When he's riled up with a, with a Bill O'Reilly, etc. Like, yeah. Or like, I mean, yeah. in the old days with GE. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. So I, I want to talk a, a little bit about the, the acting side, which you said, you know, you had done, you said you had done a pilot a couple years ago. Or no, something yeah. Like and it was great. I loved it. And yeah. I've done a, a, a myriad pilots. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny. I, I do want to do it. It's not like, you know, I, I did like, but then I thought each time I'd go, oh man, it's, it really takes up all your time and that, you know. Well, especially um, a series, like you're saying. A series like yeah, does. Yeah. Like I love doing a part in a movie, four days on this, you know, and a little arc on this or, you know, I like all sorts of the mediums and everything and, but I just don't think I could ever, like I'm in awe of like Mariska Hargitay. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, she's given decades of her life to and Law and Order. Like nine or ten you. months a year doing it, like just yeah, twenty-two episodes. Those a year. one-hour shows, <laughs> and it's all you. her. Yeah. Like that's just not the life I can live. I mean, I think she finds happiness in it, and she's figured it out, and she has, I mean, a relationship and children. Like I can't even imagine how to do that. I still, I'm old, and I still look at my like spare bedroom and I go okay so if I had a kid I would put like a bed in that and I'd buy it clothes and I'd buy it food and I would like um find a school for it right and I'd just like love it I'd, I'd clean up its shit and yeah. stuff but it I I really like it. it it's I'm in awe of how that comes so easily to people I I don't know I love because I love kids do you have a dog now yeah you're a dog person I know yeah so is, 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 that, is that the ideal kind of lifestyle? Uh, you're on again, off again, lover, uh, yes. a, a little ways I'm away. i see him next week. A little bit of a long distance thing. He's back mm -hmm. in Wales, right? Yeah. Um, oh, he's actually shooting in London. He's doing the Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah. Uh, Good Which Omens. I saw John Hamm's now part of it. I saw yeah, they were just together. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, which of the Underworld films made you fall in love with Michael Sheen? I saw the <laughs> one, his origin story one in Spanish one night. <laughs> And I don't feel like I missed much. No. Because it it's really just about yeah. his shiny abs and yeah. his, like, yeah. kind of 
dreads, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. And Kate's tight leather. That's, that tells yeah, the entire story. Totally. Um, he is, though, one of the finest actors out there. Yes, uh, he's a, he is. Know how I know? He told me. <laughs> to remind you every, every night before bed, by the way. I'm one of the greatest actors of our time. A I soft know. whisper in your ear. In your ear. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes at night I'd go, say Shakespeare. And I'd go, I'm not your monkey. i go, no, I know. You must not remember it. It's a lot. <laughs> he goes, he's so easy to manipulate. I um, love it. Sometimes he got mad at me recently and he said the funniest thing. Sometimes he just, I don't know. He goes, you're fake news. <laughs> I know. Like, Cuts you to the core. I ever heard in my life. <laughs> he called me fake news. Um, it should be noted, though, on the acting tip, you're in Battle of the Sexes. It's yes. a great role in a great film. So, uh, so that that kind of fit. I mean, that's a no-brainer. You're working with some talented directors. So fun. Playing a real person. Is that mm-hmm. your first time? Have you played real people before? No. That's something. That's, yeah. that's different. That's something. That's something. I loved it because Billie Jean was like, you were exact. You were Gladys. And I was like... Oh, I'm so glad because I had nothing to go on but like a picture. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and I met her daughter. That's but, amazing. Yeah. So what, I'm, I am somewhat surprised, though, in the wake of um, especially I Smile Back, which you got such great reviews for, and it's a great film if people haven't Thank seen you. it. I mean, it's a, it's a tough. It's, it's a, well, it's a tough. It's a tough sit, but it's worth checking out. Yeah. Like, did you find that there were? We should add like a laugh track to the DVD of it. <laughs> the blo- that would be really Is funny. there a blooper reel on it? You guys there should, should be. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I'm like crying and masturbating next to my sleeping daughter's bed. Like God. the boom comes into the shot. Oh, <laughs> this guy. Uh, everything's funnier when you add a, a fart noise, a fart yeah. track. Do you have the app um, um, Pocket Studio Audience? No, tell me. You'll oh, love it so much. I think it's self-explanatory. Yeah, it's How self-explanatory. Does... That's amazing. Um, but did did new opportunities not come about after that? Did you not find that there no. were some interesting... Uh, yeah, no, they did. Yeah. Um, I just, I did a couple movies. Yeah. I just, I really, I didn't want to do, I'm so proud of that movie, but I have no desire to do anything like that again. Um. It was as satisfying as it was. It wasn't necessarily. It was. It was an amazing experience. Got it. <laughs> Check I mean, it, it off was, the list. I mean, I, it was an amazing experience and I'm so proud of it, but it was, it's bleak as fuck, yeah. you know, and. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not dying. I'm not, you know, look, I'm 46. I'm not like looking to get discovered. I love acting. I, I think I'm good at it. I, you know, and, uh, but I don't want to spend all my time doing it because I have a million other things I want to do, you know? Well, and it's interesting because I feel sometimes it's imprisoning if it just goes on forever and it's like 14 hours a day and I can't even do stand up because I'm so tired. I got to race home to... This is not me complaining, obviously. It's, I'm living the dream. But right now, when I'm working all day, all night, and I'm exhausted, then I check in with myself. I go, no, I'm living. The, this is the yeah. dream because I love this show. Well, and, you, and also, I mean, going back to stand-up, I mean, I have a feeling if we talk in 20 or 30 years, you're still going to consider, consider yourself, first and foremost, a stand-up. Of course. That's what you want it to be. That was the dream. Yeah. I mean, Joan Rivers... I, you know, she said she didn't feel like she really came into her own as a stand-up until she was 70. And that's my hope, you know? I want to always be changing. And and, it, and it, it, do you feel like you're on, like, the right kind of, like, cycle in terms of, like, I don't know how often you, you try to put out a special. Is it every, I never think about you don't. it. It's not like every two I mean, or three years I need to put Between my out. first and my second was 10 years, and that was just because it never... I just, 
I'm not built to like make money or generate momentum. I just, I would have just kept my head down and done. Uh, there probably could have been three specials in between there, but I, I just do stand up. Yeah. And then someone, Netflix or no, uh, HBO at the time, they were like, you want to do a special? I go, oh, I do have a special. Yeah. I didn't think about it. And then a few years later, Netflix and I was ready again, but I never have pursued it or been like, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to challenge myself and write one this year and book it at the end of this right. year. So I have to, be, which is admirable. I just have never, I never, I don't plan anything out. I mean, how, but how does a special then, whether it's on like a specific time frame or it sounds like it's not come together? Like, are you kind of constantly just trying new shit out? And at, at some point it kind of coalesces into like a bit of a narrative or like how did. Yeah, I just do stand up. Um, I do spots whenever, you know, um, in L.A. And then um, in New York. And then if I go like, oh, I think I might have something. Say someone goes, do you want to do a special? And I go, I think I do have a special. Then I'll like come to New York or even not. If I have a chunk of time, a month, two months, I'll just come to New York and be a comic. Because I don't like being both. I like to either be sleeping in the day and up at night <laughs> or up and working in the day and sleeping at night because right. I, I need at least 12 hours of sleep where I'm not myself. <laughs> okay, but at least seven. When you think back to the first days of doing stand-up, is that kind of like a um, romanticized time in terms of like how great it was kind of like that, you know, getting into that weird kind of lifestyle and finding your friends and finding your peer group? Totally. So special. Yeah. Friends for life. I mean, those are people that I'm almost all of them. I mean, so many of them I'm still just as close with. And, and is that just literally time of your, because it was that, that time in your life when we kind of like grab onto people and don't let go? You meet your, you know, it's like you be, you're like a, a freshman. Yeah. You know, and you meet all the other freshmen. You know, and Todd Berry and I used to like sit in the back of the Boston Comedy Club in hopes that somebody would cancel and they need us to do 10 minutes or, you know, just, just in case. Did the people that you thought were like the most talented at the time end up becoming the successes that you thought? Is, is there a correlation between who you thought was like the most talented that that have experienced the most yeah. success? Yeah, I mean, some some that were everyone's favorite, you know, became not famous. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's. And when you look at that, is that luck or just like, or is it? I think it's we hold ourselves back sometimes, you know, and. When everyone is your biggest cheerleader and you're a little, people can get paralyzed with time, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's. Did you ever feel like you were kind of stuck in one place? Because it seems like throughout your career, you've always, as you said, kind of like tried out acting for a bit and kind of kept coming back and forth to that and, and developed TV shows, some that worked and some that didn't. It feels like you've always been, I don't I've know. I've just always been to, pretty open to like trying opportunities yeah. when they come up or like. I get just as much, I love making videos on my couch straight to camera just as much as, you know, being in some hoity-toity movie or something. How, how, how does social media treat you? What, are you constantly having to block and, and mute people? Have you noticed an uptick in... Oh, I, I will mute people sometimes. I try not to block people. The only person I've ever blocked is Donald Trump. But, um... Are you still DMing Ivanka? Any response back? Did I tell you that I DM'd Ivanka? Yeah, I think, I, think you, I think you told Chelsea. 
Oh, yeah. No, she never responded. I don't think she <laughs> handles her own Twitter account. But um, I, I don't really look too much at mentions or anything. I try to just... I, I'm, I've gotten pretty good, if I look at all, to skim... Uh, I, you know, I can tell by, like, the eagle or the death mask or the, you know, um, yeah. South Park character. God bless South Park, but it just tends to be a thing. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, I'm mostly exit only on the, <laughs> the Twitter and Facebook. I can't even, I've n- never been on Facebook. I only know how to post Stuff. So I don't know. I never see, you know, like I had to get security with like a bunch of my last tours, but I would have never known to except my manager looks at that stuff and she was, they, I had to, you know, who's, you know, I'm not Britney Spears, so it like sucks to have to hire security at my own cost when I'm doing tours because, you know, you just, you know, it's financially it's a burden but I brought I bring it on myself I do understand that is, is it more is it a nice even split and breakdown between misogyny and anti-semitism or is it yeah I mean I remember early on I, I spoke to you even before I got to MTV and it, and I remember I, I published an interview with you and that spawned I got like a, a, a fair share of, sorry of, of, no it's fine my shit stink my shit sticks to but I, I but I find it fascinating my stink. Sorry, <laughs> I mean I don't get much of it so I just I, I, I you know I multiply that by a thousand I'm sure is what you frankly yeah get. i mean it's it's either it's it's i would say misplaced anger i it's, like to think that is manifest into you're a woman you're a jew you're a liberal you've got the trifecta <laughs> in uh the in lesser uh less Eloquent kind terms. words yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, well, let's end on a positive note, which sounds like it's going to be your show. I'm, I'm excited to see it. So, I mean, you've, you've been banking like all the field pieces, but you do like yes. a live, not live, but live to tape component yeah, soon. Yeah, so we shoot um, starting a week from tomorrow. We shoot on Tuesdays and they get posted, you know, air on Thursdays. And studio so. audience in L.A., is that what you're doing? Yeah. Nice. Just like 70 people, small, Perfect. intimate. Amazing. Loose. Um, it'll be slightly funnier than Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. Oh, probably. my God. Did you watch it? Yeah. It's, so it's amazing. Good. It's amazing. It, 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 and it was my entry point into Hulu. That, you know, every, every, Me too. Every... I got Hulu so I could watch it. Yeah. And now they've got not just my show, but like J.J. Abrams has a show with Stephen King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Seth Rogen's got Future Man. And oh, like, I'm excited for that oh one. My God. Speaking of stupid, that looks nice so and stupid good. for me. Yeah. Excellent. And, uh, Yeah. Uh, so a lot going on, just to, to, to list the amazing material. Speck of Dust, still out there on Netflix. Huh. Battle of the Sexes, now in a theater near you, hopefully. Or if not, it's expanding still. Yeah, And that's right. a great piece of work. Uh, and uh, I Love You, America. I'll be there watching it myself. I can't wait to see what you've got in store yeah. for us. Tomorrow and we're going to release a, um, a, a little promo nice. song video. Of course. You, you, uh, have you ever done a musical? You like to sing, don't you? I do like to sing. I'm actually about six or seven years into working on a musical that's about a year away. Is that right? And I can't believe the end is in sight. So how's that going to manifest? Where's the what, like? What's it going to be? We're developing it at the Atlantic. Amazing. And uh, it's based on my book, The Bedwetter, but it's just one year when I'm ten. So it's it's like a kind of R-rated. Musical that's mostly kids. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. 
As, as a uh, former bedwetter myself, I'm looking yeah? forward to it. Till how long? Um, it was it was it was sleepaway camp for me. Oh yeah, that god, was, me too. That was really the trauma, and I feel like until twelve, it was yeah. late. Yeah, sleepaway camp for me too. Yeah, it was. Rough. But like probably to like fifteen. Oh really? I hated sleepaway camp. They made me swim twice a day. I hated the swimming, too. It made me cry. It was so scary to me. I wasn't the kind of boy that wanted to take a shirt off. It was just not fun. Oh, doll. Let's not end there. Okay. I love you, America. I Coming love you, America. <laughs> Is that how you say it on the show? I, at the end of the show, I say, good night, America. I love you. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's always good to see you, Sarah. And Likewise. good luck with the show. And uh, the end. We did it. Do-do-do-do-do-do. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 